Sermon number 628, Enemies of Expectancy, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, December 17, 1972. The text is Luke, the second chapter, the 22nd through the 38th verses. God this morning from the second half of one of the great narrative passages of the Bible, Luke, the second chapter. We begin to read at the 22nd verse. The time came for Joseph and Mary to do what the law of Moses commanded and perform the ceremony of purification. So they took the child, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is what is written in the law of the Lord, quote, every firstborn male shall be dedicated to the Lord, end of quote. They also went up to offer a sacrifice as required by the law of the Lord, which set a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man living in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He is a good and God-fearing man, and he is waiting for Israel to be saved. The Holy Spirit was with him, and he had been assured by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's promised Messiah. So led by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple, and when the parents Mary and Joseph brought the child Jesus into the temple to do for him what the law required. Simeon took the child in his arms and gave thanks to God. Now, Lord, you have kept your promise, and you may let your servant go in peace. For with mine own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you have made ready in the presence of all peoples, a light to reveal your way to the Gentiles and to give glory to your people Israel. Mary and Joseph were amazed at the things Simeon said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is chosen by God for the destruction and salvation of many in Israel. He will be a sign from God which many people will speak against, and so reveal their secret thoughts and sorrow like a sharp sword will break your own heart. There was a prophetess named Anna, daughter of Phileel of the tribe of Asher. She was an old woman who had been married for seven years and then had been a widow for eighty-four years. She never left the temple. Day and night she worshipped God, fasting and praying. And that very same hour, she arrived and gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were waiting, waiting for God to redeem Jerusalem. Approximately six weeks after Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Mary and Joseph took the young boy and went to a temple worship service in Jerusalem. Now, it may seem rather odd to us 
parents taking a young six-week old boy to church, but this is what they did. For according to Jewish law in that day, forty days after any Jewess gave birth to a male child, she had to go to the worship for the sacrifice of purification and to make the appropriate offering. So about forty days, nearly six weeks after his birth, Mary, with her offering, with her husband by her side, and with Jesus the Christ in her arms, they all went to church in Jerusalem. Now we really don't know how many people were in the worship service that day, but according to the account written by the author Luke. We know that no matter how many were there, only two people, only two people recognized in Jesus Christ the presence of God in that worship service. Only two people, Simeon and Anna. Of all the people that were there, they were the only two that recognized in that worship service the presence of Almighty God. Now that seems rather odd, doesn't it? Remember, nearly six weeks had passed since the great heavenly chorus had sung glory into the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. They sang that over shepherds' fields, which some of us saw just about three months ago. And Bethlehem is only five miles away from Jerusalem, where the temple was situated. And yet, only two people in that worship service recognized Jesus as being the one that the host had been singing about. Nearly six weeks had passed since the shepherds did that very unforgivable and unorthodox thing of leaving their sheep in the middle of the night to go over to Jerusalem to see that thing which the angel had told them had come to pass. We're not quite sure how long it was, but we know some days had passed since that traveling group of magi from the east had come into Jerusalem, the very city, perhaps into the very same building of the temple, to ask of Herod and the scribes and the teachers where he is who is born king of the Jews. Herod was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, said the Bible. Yet, a few weeks later, when Jesus came to church, the other people who were in the worship service did not recognize him as the being the presence of God. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Makes you wonder how many today throughout the whole world who are assembled in the house of the Lord have come to recognize Jesus. Why is it that only Simeon and Anne were able to see in Jesus the presence of God? The Bible tells us by the power of the Holy Spirit Somehow, some way, these two were able to see Jesus because in worship they expected to see Jesus. 
came that day expecting to have a relationship with the Spirit of God. And I personally think that the reason they found Jesus and others saw him not, though he was right in their presence, was because they had that great, great gift and had cultivated it of expectancy. Wonder how many people today who have come to worship that little babe who has grown up and who has since died upon a cross so that we might have life, life full of expectancy. Wonder how many today in the house of the Lord will find him. You see, Advent is as good as a season as any that I know to tell our Christian friends of two great truths. One, that the spirit of expectancy is a gift of God to everybody, to you and to me. No matter how many years we have lived, no matter how much sorrow we have experienced, there is this very moment within you and within me a spirit of expectancy and it has been placed there as a gift from God. You have it and I have it. And thank God for it. And I believe it's at this season of the year more than in any other that we see witnesses and evidences of that particular spirit that is within all mankind. With the gay colors with which we decorate, the carols and hymns and songs that we sing, with the greetings that we send, with the gifts that we purchase to give, with the expression and confidence that we have in wishing one another a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. All of these bear witness to that spirit of expectancy that all of us in the next ten days expect something wonderful to happen. Even those who reject our Christ and who refuse to look at him and believe in him and the Messiah, even they cannot help but give evidence of excitement and of expectation that something is going to happen within this next week in the lives of the people throughout the world. It's a great feeling, isn't it? It's too bad we can't live all of our lives the way we lived the week before Christmas. This is a gift of God, and we should not be ashamed of it nor afraid of it. Perhaps it is childlike, but remember, Jesus said that unless we become as little children and have the expectancy that little children have, we'll never enter into the kingdom of God. So this feeling of joy and of happiness that is bursting out within us, let's not hide it. Let's let it go. And let us realize it's a gift of God to everyone. You have it, and I have it. Let's show it. And then secondly, I think it is up to the church to remind people that even though the gift of expectancy comes from God, 
Nevertheless, in our day, just as in past generation, there are always enemies of expectation that will be robbing us, or at least trying to rob us, of this joy which is to be within us. There are enemies. They're working in you and me right now to try and rob us of this particular God-given gift which the Lord has given unto you and to me. Now, they're not always an easy enemy to recognize. Sometimes they're very subtle and very quiet and sometimes very sneaky. And they can come to us even when we are in church. We must learn that they live and that they have power and that they are continuously trying to rob us of the gift of expectancy that God has given unto us. The only way I know how we can fight them and prepare ourselves to war against them is to remember that the way you defeat the enemies of expectancy is to expect them. Maybe I can help. When I try to point out very kindly that sometimes, sometimes, conventional practices can rob us of our spirit of expectancy. Not always, but we should learn to expect that sometimes these conventional practices will not be our friends, but rather our foes in the expectancy of life that we're supposed to have. This means that rituals, ceremonies, routines, program services, and sacred events, no matter how religious, instead of bringing us closer to the presence of God, which they are supposed to do, in turn they do just the opposite and ruin the confrontation that we are supposed to have with God through Jesus Christ. That may some, sound somewhat heretical, yet I think nevertheless it is true. Seventeen years ago, Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, the late Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick of New York City published a sermon, the provocative title of which I don't think I shall ever forget, The Danger of Going to Church. And he tried to point out in that disturbing sermon that sometimes the greatest enemies that Jesus had were to be found in the church people, that his sharpest criticisms were aimed at those people who loved to stand in the synagogue and to be seen pray, the people who he did not care for were those individuals like the Pharisee who regularly went up to the temple to pray, that man who practiced tithing and giving to the poor, yet was an individual who in his prayer could only stand and thank God that he was not like other people. The priest and the Levi who because of 
perhaps ceremonial law refused to go over and help a man who had been robbed and mugged. Jesus had no use for these people who practiced the law more than they did the giver of the law. And you see, this can happen to you and to me and to this church. Let us learn a lesson from our Old Testament friends, the ones that many of you are studying about in, in Bethel, those people who were given factors to ensure their destiny. Remember the ancient Israelites as they traveled from the land of bondage to the new land? God gave them ceremonies. He gave them rites. He gave them a law. He gave them a tabernacle. All of these things to be means of serving God, which was the end. But when they took those means and used them as ends in themselves, their destiny was not ensured that those factors, those ceremonies, those conventional practices became not the friend of Israel, but the foe. And what happened once to God's people can happen any time again to God's people. Sometimes, may we learn to expect it, that sometimes conventional practices, no matter how religious, can serve as an enemy of expectancy. And so can a too cautious philosophy. Not only conventional practices, but sometimes a too cautious philosophy can rob us of the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment and the bigness that God created us to enjoy here in this life. You see, when, when worry and concern of what expectancy can mean for you in life becomes more important than expectation itself, you're in trouble. When we worry that perhaps expecting too much in life will ruin our routine, play havoc with our habits, contaminate our comfort, and perhaps risk our reputations, then we are people who worship not God, but fear. And though the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, may we remember that God has not given unto us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of self-control. So you see, Fear putting the brakes on all the time with anything new or anything that is different <laughs> instead of helping us to protect that which God has made it can rob us of the things that God yet expects us to find <laughs> remember the white knight in Alice in Wonderland he was the last word remembered in caution and prudence he bought all sorts of insurance against every danger and discomfort. And he loaded himself down with so much insurance that he could travel only at a snail's pace. We're not to be snails, ladies and gentlemen. We're to be the children of God and once more the body of Christ, which is to be the army of God.
But we cannot possibly become the people that God would have us to be, nor can we be the church that God intended us to be, unless we are people who expect things of God to happen in our community known as the church and in our individual and family lives. Unless we expect something to happen, probably nothing ever will. But when we come together or individually, expecting that God will hear our prayers when we pray aright, that God will speak to us through his holy word, and we can expect so that something will come to be a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. When we come here to church expecting that we're going to have a wonderful experience of confrontation with the living spirit of Almighty God, then things happen. But when we come expecting nothing to happen, or what is even worse, fearful that something might happen that will upset our particular ideas and theories, then we'll never become the people God intended us to become. So there we are to be wise as serpents and as harmless as the dove. Please remember that sometimes, sometimes a too cautious philosophy can be an enemy of expectancy. And though conventional practices and a too cautious philosophy can rob us, so also can the worst enemy appear in what I call cantankerous people. I think of all the enemies of expectancy, the worst to fight and the hardest to face are cantankerous people who long ago gave up expecting anything new or wonderful to happen. People who do not think anything will happen will never be disappointed because they'll see to it that nothing does happen even if it requires their last breath. Such people are contemptible in the sight of the Lord. And such cantankerous people are very difficult to live here with on life, or in life. But they've always been with us. They're with us today, and they'll always be with us until Christ comes again. And I think the best thing we can do to face such individuals is to realize and expect that they will always be with us. People who are not interested in building up, only in tearing down. People who are not interested in being an inspiration, only to depress the feelings of others. People who are not the least bit interested in expecting things, but rather kill any expectation that there is in the young and the old around. I do not think, you see, that it is accident that the proverbial character of Dixon Scrooge always comes to the forefront at this time of the year. And though he is old humbug himself, a character of fiction, he becomes real to us because we identify other people with him as being a reality in our lives. I think Herod was a Scrooge. For you know, when word of Jesus Christ's birth came to him, the first thing he wanted to do was to destroy and murder so that the world would not expect a new king. 
I don't know if it has dawned on you who have trouble with all sorts of cantankerous people, that you might be one too. I know it's kind of hard for us to take our eyes off of ourselves at times, but you realize that the person with whom we are wed, the people with whom we work, the individuals with whom we worship, they look upon us as either the person who builds in them the spirit of expectancy, or they see in us a person who destroys their faith, their hope, their love, and their great expectations. We are one way or another. People either want to be close to us and learn from us and lean on us, or people are trying their best to get away from us because we act like a cancer in their lives. Every once in a while, I think it's rather good for us to ask ourselves, am I in the sight of other people, a person that embodies the spirit of Christ, or am I one whom others think as being nothing but cantankerous? and hard to get along. Today I have tried to tell you two main things. One, that joy, that happiness, that spirit of expectancy that is within you, that's a gift of God. Treat it carefully, nurture it, help it, enjoy it, use it. But also remember that there are enemies of expectancy that will always be trying to rob you of that gift that God has given unto you. And sometimes you'll find those people within the church. Expect them. Realize they exist and expect that they will always be tried through different forms and methods, be it through conventional practices, through too cautious a philosophy, or through cantankerous people. These forces will always be trying to rob you. Expect them, and don't be too surprised that when you are looking for the enemies of expectancy, when you expect that the enemy is yourself. Amen. Father, you've given us so much, the spirit of hope, love, laughter, and joy. As we leave this house of the Lord and to go into the world, may we go as people who expect great things from you and attempt great things in your name. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>